now, meanwhile, 22 pages later, with your hosts, The Cap, Mike the Finance Guy, and Ralph the Tech. As we hope and pray that we can get um, better as a people and as a society, we, here at the podcast, are now well into our quarantine tour known as the Fuck It Tour. Welcome to another edition of Meanwhile, 22 Pages Later, episode 149. I'm one of your hosts, The Cap. And with me, as always, is the man who is banned somewhere for something. Okay, I don't know where or what, but I do know it's probably because of his smart-ass mouth. (laughs) Look at that. He's here with us today, MFG Mike the Finance Guy. A censor once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. I was waiting for that one to come up. I was wondering when you were going to do that one. Hannibal right. Lecter. <laughs> and the other host, or the third host, is the man who always has a 50-50 shot of finding the right sound drop for this show. And the funny thing is that is his only fucking job. RT Square, we're off the tech. Fuck you. So, Thank you. Ooh. 100%. The- <laughs> The other day, as I awoke from my daily nap, I stared at myself in the mirror, and as I looked deeply into my eyes, a thought occurred to me. We typically want our fiction to be believable, and our nonfiction to be unbelievable. Hmm. Hmm. Did you just see him raise his eyebrow right there? Like... <laughs> Only we did, not the audience. <laughs> yes, well, that's why this I said it out loud. audio medium, so yeah, audio medium... But that's why, but I didn't say that's, well, fuck you guys. I'm like, it's not like I said, did you see what he just did? No, that's why I said out loud. Did you see him raise his eyebrow? Oh, goodness. That's why, that's why I have the brains in this operation. Anyway. If you're the brains, then I feel sorry for this operation. And I want to know whose brains you're holding on to. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Don't get like Kevin and start talking about head jokes now. Let's not do that. (laughs) Shout out to Big Kev. Not that he listens to the podcast anymore, but whatever. (laughs) On our last show, we discussed Bloodshot because, well, fuck it. What else is there to to discuss since this pandemic practically derailed everything? Lots of stuff. Right? (laughs) So because we're now in the fuck it mode... Today, we'll be discussing something less geeky, but interesting nonetheless. On this show, we'll be reviewing the new Guy Ritchie movie known as The Gentleman. But first, when Mike does this portion of the show, it's like a great appetizer before the main course. Short, digestible, yummy. Nope, no insults here. I swear to God, I'm I'm bored. So (laughs) let's give Mike some room to give you the quick news. You thought I was going to insult him. And now, the quick news with Mike the Finance Guy and Ralph and Kat. We are Graphic Monday. We are Graphic Monday. Move over Marvel. Stand back DC Comics. Penn State University has launched its own comic imprint called Graphic Monday. The imprint is part of the college's in-house Pennsylvania University Press. Graphic Mundi's first offering will be an anthology of short comics from various writers and artists about COVID-19 experiences. According to publisher Kendra Boileau, quote, we'll aim for a selection that offers balance and diversity in topics, styles, and temperaments. In spite of how horrendous this experience is and will continue to be, we'll make room for comics that provide hope for humanity, end quote. Creators are currently being asked to submit works on an uncompensated basis. The publisher plans to donate net proceeds to organizations that support artists and retailers in need. The submission deadline is August 1st. 
That's fantastic. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Good job. Isn't that your alma mater? Yep. Penn State. That's what's up. Oh, man. Which one? So, I'm sorry? There's only Isn't one there Penn State. Are you sure? There's Penn yeah. and there's Penn State. Or UPenn. I'm sorry, UPenn. There's UPenn and there's Penn State. Yeah. There's there are a lot of campuses, but there's only one uh, Pennsylvania State <laughs> University. Wasn't there a movie that guy's like, oh, I went to Penn State, and he's talking about the state penitentiary? Well, could they? <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's one nearby. <laughs> wow. There's some prison that's not that far from the college. Oh, wow. Moving right along. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Right there, Mike? Well, blow me down. No, no, that's not an offer for sex. That's <laughs> one of many catchphrases of the world's most famous seafarer, Popeye the Sailor Man. King Features Syndication has the mighty spinach eater teaming up with the French environmental preservation organization, the Sea Cleaners, to emphasize the importance of ocean cleanup and conservation. The Sea Cleaners is an organization that focuses on developing long-term solutions to clear the oceans of floating plastic pollution. According to King Features Vice President and General Manager Carlos Silva, quote, our oceans have been damaged by decades of pollution and mistreatment. Popeye is proud to join forces with the sea cleaners and support their revolutionary efforts to defend the sea, end quote. So I guess we'll have to all get used to singing, I'm strong to the finish because Germain's Mississippinades. I'm Popeye, Long, Marin, toot, toot. Well done, know. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? I'm wondering how many people actually under the age of 30 know who Popeye is. Everybody does, at least outside of this country. I can wear my Popeye t-shirt and people from Russia, people from... The Middle East, everyone's like, hey, Popeye. And I'm like, yeah, everybody knows who he is. <laughs> it's I, I really once, weird. I once met an alien from Mars, and he was like, holy shit, that's Popeye. And I'm like, you guys get Popeye <laughs> up there? He's like, yeah, man. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, something's weird that way. Like, he is really well known across this globe. I, I, you I, know what's I, funny? I speak to kids and, 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 and um, you know, working at, working at a school. None of them, like, like Popeye who? I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. Outside of this country, he's known by everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Inside, eh, all depends. What was saying, Ralph? I'm sorry. Uh, I, got, I got a serious question for you. If they were to redesign Popeye and make him a little bit more human-like instead of with the overly exaggerated forearms, would you go for it? No, I mean, it's just not Popeye. It's just a sailor by that point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, he's got the one eye that they sometimes allow it to open and show that he's got two working eyes. But I'm like, eh, I think he only has one eye. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, it's just, and he's got and he's got the big tumors on. And he's got the he's got the masturbator forearm. So, you know, <laughs> you funny. We talk about the forearm. Nobody talks about the big old chin he had. I mean that's hey that's just his chin what the hell man why why you gotta point out his like his chin man that's not right people point out my head I'm pointing out chins fuck that next what what, what things you got Mike all right they love you they really do but you know money that's pretty much the underlying (laughs) attitude as Comic Con International San Diego is quote, evaluating any financial liability, end quote, while it mulls over, canceling this year's convention due to the coronavirus pandemic. According to San Diego Tourism Authority CEO Joe Terzi, quote, based on our knowledge of the event, it will be very difficult for them to have that event in July, end quote. So far, more than 50 hotels involved in the SDCC hotel block has assured the Tourism Authority that they will waive cancellation fees for the event. For the SDCC's part, its Chief Communications and Strategy Officer, David Glanzer, said there should be an announcement soon and that the SDCC is exploring a possible online component if the convention is canceled. Wow. 
I, yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this the last show. We use it as a geeks on a go on a geeks on a go question, but definitely wasn't a goof. I was definitely curious on how people were feeling about you know going to Comic Con, you know, after this whole thing. Well, this and, isn't about them going. This is about the Comic Con itself. No, 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 no. Yeah. But, but, but I'm saying like people didn't even think about that. Now, now people are like, oh yeah, well, you know, now we got to address. Are we gonna even have it? Well, I mean, the thing is, the, as much as it's it's great that they're trying to make it sound like like, oh yeah, we're we're worrying about this, and it's not saying that they're not worried about their people. I'm not trying to say they're heartless, but it's but. it's a lot of it's really out of their hands. I mean, it's if it's going to be in July, if California just says no, guess what? They have they have no choice. They can't just go ahead with it, you know, unless um, they're friends with Trump, like like WWE in Florida. Yeah, no, they they can't. I mean, because it would be thousands of people would just pile on because that's the thing is once it's open fully you know people are going to show up <laughs> you know? yeah, definitely, definitely. they're going to show up and then it's going to be like oh an outbreak again we're shocked yeah, they, <laughs> they canceled the uh toronto comic-con they had to have i'm sure yeah. toronto canada is just like nah we're pretty much closed down until <laughs> you know they're like, we're not yeah. a, we're not about to say we're not about this what, wow what country are they from again Huh? <laughs> what country is Canada from again? Canada? It's, <laughs> that it's accent, from, I couldn't quite it's place from it. from North America. Ah, okay. Yes. Remind me to have my friend call in so they could do a real Canadian accent because you just killed it there, bro. Listen, I'm sorry to all your Canadians out there, but no, I'm not sorry. <laughs> That's what all right. They're, they're not, they're not going to shoot you. No. Um, <laughs> what else you got there, Mike? Dan? All right. And last but not least, a few things to look forward to post-quarantine. Evil Dead and original Spider-Man movie trilogy director Sam Raimi will direct Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which is mm -hmm. still scheduled for its revised November 5th, 2021 release date. Agent May will be back in action as ABC's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. return in, uh, for season six for its 13-episode series finale on May 27th. And DC Universe's fresh-faced Stargirl will premiere on May 18th. So we got something to look forward to. Okay, and it's so funny that Mike says May, and it's like, okay, well... As much as we were worrying about quarantining and everything, May doesn't sound so far away. And I'm glad Mike ended it like that. that that's, that's pretty good. I mean, Wait, yeah, it's, it's only two like, weeks away, so obviously it's not yeah. that far away. Yeah, 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 yeah but sad, the idea yeah. of, you know, we think about how long it's been that we've been locked up or, or, or staying in our homes and obeying all the rules. May sounds far when you talk about, oh, yeah, well, you know, you have to stay until May, whatever. Oh, my God. When you're something's coming up, something good to look forward to, it doesn't seem so far away. So it's just nice. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, two, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. You. No, no. I was just about to say in two more days, it'll be a, a, a solid month. That's true. Since New wow. York has been on lockdown. Hey, so yeah. you know what it feels like? It so feels cool. like I'm locked up and they won't let me out. I'm locked up. Won't let me out. Mike doesn't know that song. Locked up. Won't no, let no, no, me stop. out. Stop. You singing is not going to help <laughs> jog his memory. It's going to jog him to say, what the fuck was that song where I was singing so I can never hear it again? It's a really I good actually, song. It's actually, I just tuned Eminem. him out. I, I'll never remember it again. It's, it's featuring Eminem. It's, it's Akon. It, Wait, the red Eminem or the yellow Eminem? The blue one. The white one. Oh. <laughs> so is that all your quick news? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I like, I like the way you ended it, Mike. That was really good. Um, Ralph, any quick news? No, not really. Everything's I so depressing. I, I haven't listened to any news whatsoever because my mom is constantly getting more and more depressed overhearing the numbers. So yeah. I'm like, one of okay. us has to stay positive. So, Oh, yeah. No, no. I, and you're I, usually I, the guy, so. No, I pick and choose on the news. I, I, I read. Like, I look, I, I look quickly at what the article's title is, and I go, nope. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, and then it's like Trump has said, nope. <laughs> yeah. I I'll I'll say this though. Um and and this is not just kissing Mike's ass, but is I'm glad he ended it with something positive because I think we have to start looking at that. If we have our family and people that we love and we care about and our friends and you know we've been lucky enough to stay away from the virus or if you had the virus and you kind of got over it and you didn't you know succumb to any major injuries you know we're lucky and maybe we have a lot of good things to look forward to and yes maybe the world's not going to be exactly the same there's no way it can be but we'll make adjustments we'll get past this also Oh, so yeah, we have things to forward to. So I'm, that's why I'm glad you you said that. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, there is. Now, if Mike said baseball starts June 1st, that'd be even better. But <laughs> I, mean, I could have said that, but only one of us would have found that humorous. That would have been me. <laughs> Fucking humorous. <laughs> it's going to happen. We're going to have a short season. Mike, Ralph, and I will be at a game near you critiquing that, and then we'll probably be kicked out the second inning. But fuck it. <laughs> Especially if we do it at home plate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh, look uh, at him comically tried to slide in. I really shouldn't have put up that plastic barrier. Oh, look at him. <laughs> Mike treats baseball like the fucking Looney Tunes. I swear to God. Well, yeah. actually, I mean, after we did our own uh, M22 uh, um, elimination, our, our March Madness, we actually probably do qualify as announcers. Yeah, we kind of do. That, that would be kind of interesting. But I digress. Let's keep moving because I know a certain Steve Francis who might be listening to this episode is eager to hear what we got to say. Shout out to Steve Francis. We'll get to him in a second, but let's go into it. Let's talk about the main course. And I know that, you know, this is something that we usually don't do these kind of movies. But once again, fuck it. You know, it's quarantine. We have to expand our horizons and, you know, do different things in this time of need. So let's talk about the Guy Ritchie movie, The Gentleman. And let's give it up for the man who's going to give us a synopsis and break down all this bollocks with us. Or is it bollocks? Bollocks? Bollocks. Bollocks. Whatever. It's two O's, no you. Two O's, no you. Got it. Yeah, it's not Sandra. It's bollocks. (laughs) (laughs) MFG, Mike the Finance Guy. Hopefully he doesn't have any dad jokes. No, but thank God it finally got around to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's always going around to you. (laughs) Damn right. All righty. The Gentleman is the latest offering from writer-director Guy Ritchie. The Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels creator returned to his roots, crafting yet another crime comedy set around London. The Gentleman was made with a budget of $22 million and brought in $36 million domestic and $78 million internationally for a worldwide total of $114 million. The film has a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 74% and with an audience of 84% and a Metacritic score of 51 out of 100 with an audience rating of 80 out of 100. Yeah, that, fucking, they're all over the place. That Fucking one. That was, Metacritic. I swear to God. They're like Metacritic is you. You work for Metacritic. Go ahead. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> all righty. For those that faint at foul language, this is not the film for you. The character used the C word so much, I thought it was a movie about boats. Uh, but expect, but it, sex and profanity is a hallmark of Guy Ritchie movies. So get that cunty look off your face. All right. In a rare role that requires him to keep his shirt on, Matthew McConaughey plays American expat Mickey Pearson, who has become England's king of Kush. But he is a king who wants to retire from the throne. Private investigator Hugh, what do you know? I'm not dead. Grant wants 20 million pounds or he will expose the criminal operation in a tell-all movie script titled Bush. By way of the manuscript, the entire movie unfolds, introducing us to the clever, the smug, the ambitious, the idiotic, the athletic, 
and the murderous. Criminals and wannabes make strange and often reluctant bedfellows as the walls of a crumbling empire close around the king. This is what happens when crime wants to be paid. Bring a parachute. <laughs> All right, starring Matthew McConaughey as Mickey Pearson, Charlie Hunnam as Raymond Smith, Henry Golding as Dry Eye, Michelle Dockery as Rosalind Pearson, uh, Jeremy Strong as Matthew Berger, Colin Farrell as Coach, Hugh Grant as Fletcher, Eddie Marsan as Big Dave, and Tom Wu as Lord George. All right, so let's get into it. The gentleman, but before we do that, let's press that spoiler button that not only we paid so much money for, but is so appropriate for this particular review we're going to do today. Warning, the following segment contains information that may ruin your enjoyment of the media in review. So if you believe this might upset you, piss off, you wanker. Okay, I also say this. Um, first off, um, thanks to Steve, um, Steve Francis of Social Productions for that wonderful... Um, for that wonderful, um, fuck. <laughs> yes. Uh, this, there's a reason uh, for that wonderful spoiler warning. Reason why I said that is, I'll let you guys do your thing first. Stoosh. Where is it from? Double Bubble. What? No, you never said where the warning was from. Steve Francis of Stush Productions. Ah, I see. <laughs> We're some chin wagon with Stush, shall we? <laughs> fuck off, you cunt. <laughs> I'll stush, you why I, get your stush here. I botched that because in my head, and Mike knows this better than anybody. Ralph knows a little bit. Ralph, Mike definitely knows. I know that I'm going to probably do a few British impersonations, and if Steve hears this, he's going to fuck me up. So I'm already anticipating. Like he'll just oh. he'll just stop listening. He hates the people doing English uh, imitations. No, no, but he he gets like like perturbed, like not not mildly annoyed. Or, he's like. What are you doing? Okay. So, I don't understand that when everyone else does English accents, like when he's like, they're like, oh, I've got one. And they're like, you know, like, oh, governor, da, 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 whatever, something like that. I always go right for it. And I'm like, oh, I've got my English accent. He's like, what is it? I'm like, yeah, what you doing over there, governor? <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I fucked up that Stush Productions intro because I can already see me trying to do something and I'm going to fuck it up. So, Steve, I apologize ahead of time. Please make it one slap, not two. All right, so let's do it. It's going to be one one really long uh, Zoom call you guys are going to have there. Shit. It's going to be very violent. He, he's going to break the quarantine just to go to my house and smack the fuck out of me. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you was talking like me. Um, so, uh -oh. so, so let's let's go. Let's talk about it, the gentleman. Before we get into anything else, I want to ask a question directly to Ralph. Not to Mike, because I know for Mike, I know his background, and when it comes to listening to British stuff, he's dated God knows how many Brits, so he's already used to the language. <laughs> but well, And I watch a lot of British TV. I was trying to make it more exciting, but okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but Ralph, was it me, or did the accents come off stronger in the first five, ten minutes of the movie? The well, the British accent seems The British, because it, for me it felt... Very, very strong. Not quite strong like some other movies that I've seen, but it felt strong. Like, whoa, okay, I got to really adjust. I had to, like, sit up. No, not really. I mean, uh, to me, it sounded normal. I watch a lot of British movies and TVs also. So okay. To me, it just yeah. sounded right. Like, the, the hardest movie to me to watch, and it, I mean, like I said, I've spent most of my life, because my mother loved a lot of British television, so we would watch it growing up. Um, I'm good with most it was the movie I've had the worst time with that was, especially for something that was popular of a movie, was The Full Monty. 
Like it really? was really hard understanding those guys a lot of times. Yeah. Was it a lot of Cockney? It was, there was a lot of Cockney and they mumbled <laughs> on top of it. And it's like, okay, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. But it was still funny though. What I could get though, I did have to translate a lot to friends. I'm like, oh, I think he said da 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 da. He was just asking for a cup of water. <laughs> it, 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 but I, I mentioned that before we go into into deeper into the um, review because I know for me I was kind of excited I was ready to see it and like after like the first five minutes I'm like not that I didn't understand it but it was like maybe like a four or five second delay I'm like oh he said that God what where the fuck are the subtitles I mean, what the fuck there's what the hell of, are they speaking English yeah there's there's a lot of like uh like slang that they use that's mostly yeah. British a lot of colloquialisms yeah yeah yeah. But for most of it, it's 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 understandable. No, but I think once Matthew McConaughey, it's almost like, <laughs> well, when you come back from um, going to another country and you watch your language again or you listen to your language again, you're like, oh, okay, I'm readjusted. And because once Matthew McConaughey came in, I'm like, oh, English, I know, okay, all right, fine. <laughs> but that's why. All right, all right, had, all right. Even he had it's sort of like a, uh, a it was like a, a high society southern accent. Yeah, which was really weird because I'm like, it was like this high society southern tinged like English accent. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's interesting. Which would you would actually, well, if you were southern anyhow, you would expect to happen because he's been living there most of his life. Yeah, you're so going to end up. It would pick you up. really, you're, yeah, you're going to pick up an accent unless you actively go out of your way not to. Yeah, right. <laughs> Water, coffee, drawer. Okay, I'm still in New York. Let's go. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't picked up that one. <laughs> and I, have, I, actively. I have it hardcore. I have it hardcore. I put it on a long time ago. I use so, the patch. I use the patch. Like, use the patch. <laughs> so let's talk about the movie itself. Oh my! Oh, really? Now that's when you're gonna go with, with, with a rim shot. All right. Listen, I control the board. I am <laughs> when you can find when you can find the buttons. Fuck you. Damn. He's Fuck like you. He, he's like the Trump of tech. Fuck you. <laughs> he controls right. the board, but it doesn't often work right. <laughs> Damn. All right. Well done. All right. Let's get into it. What do we like about the movie? I mean, Guy Ritchie is known for having a certain style and, and having certain banter. And, you know, like Mike said in his synopsis, a lot of wor- a lot of use of a certain word. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cut. So, what do we like about the movie? And there's some there's a question where we, after we talk about our likes, I want to ask you something because we reviewed a movie a couple of shows ago, and I wonder if you guys have noticed a comparison and how um, one movie's better at something than another. But what did you guys like about the movie? So I'm guessing it's me because you're looking right at me. I'm looking at both of you. <laughs> it's Sky. <laughs> He's got a really big head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I actually got to see this movie. Um as a screener before it came out in the theaters. Oh, wow. Oh, Lordy Dodge, you're the queen of England. <laughs> so when I saw it the first time, I was just blown away out of like, it was such an enjoyable movie, you know? Like there wasn't a, there wasn't a moment, that, like I'm sure the Cap has felt moments when he's watching even the most action-packed movie where he'll start falling asleep. Not just because he's old, but because, you know, the movie's pacing slows down. I'll let you. I'll let you finish. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, this movie, he fell asleep during your review. Yes. <laughs> for me, like it felt like every scene like engaged me, and it's also because the way that it's told, it's it's an actual narrative, like it's a story that's being told throughout the whole movie. You know, literally a story being told, and it just it, it called to my my inner uh, story lover. You know. Okay. All right, Mike. Um, very much a lot of the same. Like, um, I 
I've heard some people say that they um, that it started off slow for them. I didn't have any problem with it. I was engaged from the beginning. Um, you know, like the intro scene is just like, okay, what's going on? Uh, the opening gunfire, which I, I didn't know. I couldn't say I knew the circumstances that would play out, but I knew that things were as they would be. Um, but like I said, but once it jumped right into that, to us meeting uh, Raymond and Hugh Grant, and like I said, it's the manuscript that he's telling the story of the movie through. Um, I just found it really engaging. So I like the storytelling. I like the the level of excitement that uh, that Fletcher, which is the Hugh Grant character, had in telling his story. Um, and it was just like I said, it was just really engaging. I mean, I've, I I haven't seen all of of Guy Ritchie's films. I've seen a few, quite a few of them. And it is very much his pacing for the most part, yes. you know. Um, I mean, because the guy, a lot of people are like, oh, Guy Ritchie can do no wrong. I'm like, oh, he's done wrong. No. <laughs> he, he, he did Swept Away when he was still married to Madonna. Swept Away yeah. and King Arthur. And King Arthur. Hey, hey, um, which, hey, hey I'm yeah. talking about the pop. Hey, critically, it still flopped. Listen, um, not in my heart. <laughs> King Arthur that's was great a great heart. And even, even Revolver um, was another flop of his. What? But believe Revolver it or not, the was funny, great. It, it was, again, it was just another flop. Not talking about opinion, I'm just saying how he's done. Oddly enough, the funniest movie I think of all that he's done is Aladdin. Because you're sitting there like, that was a Guy Ritchie movie? I'm like, yeah. Wait, was. Aladdin was a Guy Ritchie movie? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that weird? Um, it's, it's the most un-Guy Ritchie. It's just like when you find out that Stuart Little was written by M. Night Shyamalan. You're like, Really? <laughs> okay, now Mike, you just fucked me up twice. Yeah, like, Hit me with a jab. Yeah. You know. Hold on, hold um, on. Let's let's take a moment to let the people collect their minds because they've just been blown. Give them a second. Okay, now you can continue. <laughs> but uh, but oh, I, sorry, I really liked uh, the characters a lot. Um, I, I felt that they were very individual. Um, I'm not saying that they're different than any of his other characters from his other films, but within the film, I, I thought they were individualized. I thought they were um, well fleshed out, except the only characters that weren't fleshed out didn't really need to be, and that was like the, uh, the what do they call themselves? The toddlers that worked for the, uh, that were training under the coach. They were pretty much the same generic guy. But other right. than that, all the main characters I felt, I felt were very individualized, and I thought they did a good job of being who they were. Yeah, I'll say this, going back to what Mike said um, about pacing, I, I I won't say I complained about it, but in the beginning it was a little slow, mm-hmm. but part of that also with me being tired and my couch was really comfortable. So, <laughs> But because once I got up, I remember I fell asleep right when, when um, uh, McConaughey's character is taking, um, is taking, um, the, the 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 Jewish guy over to you know where where he has his, where he has his stash. Mm-hmm. I fell asleep there and I woke up you know probably about five ten minutes after, so I didn't sleep too long. Then when I watched it again, I was like, oh, I, how did I fall asleep during this? It was actually pretty good. So I mean, I could see people complaining about pacing, but for me, pacing was okay. But speaking of Guy Ritchie and Guy Ritchie style, I'm so glad you brought that up, Mike. Um, how? Um, let me let me go back and ask it a different way. A couple of shows ago, we talked about the movie um, Birds of Prey and Harlequin, blah, 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 blah. And it deals with a lot of similar but not the same kind of narration style. How did Guy Ritchie succeed where Birds of Prey failed? It's a lot of going back and forth. Even though it's storytelling, you know, it's a, you know we're talking about, you know, it's through... Like you said, the manuscript of Hugh Grant's character talking about, hey, here's you know, here's what this is, but it's a lot of back and forth. And how does his, how does Guy Ritchie style work where Birds of Prey didn't? Um, good writing. I mean, that's not being facetious. It's it's or even sarcastic. It's 
anybody can go back and forth. And a lot of stories in movies and TV shows go back and forth. That's not the problem. The problem is what you've chosen to focus on and how you've chosen to relate it. I mean, if I tell you that, like, oh, I went to the store the other day, and or, or I'm going to the store now, but oh, let me backtrack on what happened the other day. And I'm like, well, yeah, then, you know, um, my sock was sliding down my ankle, and that was just really a pain, and da 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 and blah, 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 blah. The shoelaces that got untied, some guy got shot in the store, and da 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 <laughs> And, you know, like, I mean, I'm not saying that that's exactly how Bird of Prey did it by any means. I'm just saying, but that's not interesting. He just goes, okay, sock probably wasn't important. The shoelaces weren't important. Let's just go to deal with the guy getting shot. Let's, you know, let's get to that part part of the story and then also work your magic of storytelling. Um, I just didn't feel like the, the woman that wrote um, The Birds of Prey had that, she doesn't have that flair, she has her own style. I didn't think it was appropriate for this film, uh, but Guy Ritchie, he just has, again, he's not perfect on everything, but he has a good way of telling a story. Like I said, something he's comfortable with and he's very comfortable with this type of storytelling. Okay. I, Ralph? <clears throat> the way I think it, it um, that the gentleman did it better is the fact that his his um, storytelling is more linear. You can actually okay. tell, All right. like where you are in time in the movie. You know, it's like you know this this scene happens either like a few days or this this scene happened after this. Unlike in Birds of Prey, you couldn't really tell how much time had passed between the club scene where she breaks the guy's legs and then when she blows up the factory. There's no right. no real time frame there. This one yeah. is more linear, goes straight through. The only times where you actually jump way into the past is only at the very end when when Raymond is explaining to Fletcher, it's like, oh, you thought you were um, you right. were the one that was ahead. I was actually also ahead of you, yeah. And, right. Well, he had, he, had the, he had to do what I always call the uh, the Hammer House uh, backstory of how this happened. I choose Hammer House because that their horror films were notorious for at the end. They they did a lot of horror films from the sixties and early seventies. Um, most of them were bad, but they had a habit of like at the end revealing like this is what really happened, and you're like, I, I kind of figured that out. You could, didn't have to tell me, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that's what made this this one uh, this storytelling better. The fact that it was it was more linear, and it wasn't as choppy as with Birds right. of Prey, and you could actually tell the time frame. Do you know right. that? When the toddlers attack, it happened this place, this time, and then when they meet with the coach, it was after the toddlers had already, even right. though um, Matthew was watching the video uh, after it already happened, and you're seeing, then you get to see what actually happens, mm -hmm. um, but you still know the time of where you are in the movie. Right. Well, also, I mean, the, because of the, of the way they told the story, meaning that uh, Fletcher is literally reading his manuscript to Raymond, um, he's actually telling you when things are happening as well. Uh, you know, not that doesn't take away from the storytelling, but that's something Bird of Prey, it wouldn't have worked in the film anyhow, but that's something it lacked. It's like he's literally going like, but then, you know, and little but, did but we I, know, <laughs> you know. What got me thinking of Birds of Prey was the part where um, – was when um, McConaughey's character was talking to Matthew. Uh, not uh, Matthew. Uh, yeah, no, no. Matthew McConaughey was talking to um, not Dry Eye, but uh, I guess um, Lord George. Lord George, and um, he does Michael, the thing where sorry. Matthew McConaughey's character's name is Michael. Thank Mickey. You. So, well, they call him Mickey. Mickey, yeah. Mickey, yeah. So when Mickey's talking to um, um, to what is it, Lord George? Yeah. Well, the and, older guy, right? Not not his no, son. No, 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 no. When he's sticking to the young, to the young age. That's dry eye. Dry eye. That's dry eye. I was yeah. okay. I was right. Okay. So, so when he talks to dry and he shoots him under the table. Oh, and you yeah. thought that was and actually then, what and, happened. And then he goes, "That's not his style." <laughs> Fletcher goes, "Yeah, well, you know, we got to make it more interesting." And they <laughs> rewind it. I yeah. was like, oh, it, that reminded me of Birds of Prey in the sense of unreliable narrator. You know, 
re correcting something that didn't happen. You went through five minutes of dialogue for something that is not actually what the story is. Right. And I'm but like, again, okay, that, well, yeah. they it, did it right versus, yeah. you know. Well, yeah. That's exactly it. That's what I'm saying. That's the, that's the part of it shows how you can tell a story. Like I said, this is not falling. Again, the woman that, that wrote Birds of Prey, and I'm sorry, I don't feel like looking it up to find out her name offhand. Um, you know, it's whether she um, her hands were tied, whether it's something the studio insisted on, whether this, because uh, I don't think she wrote it all the way. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, you don't know what's going into it. Like I said, maybe the telling just wasn't her strong suit. Maybe this kind of movie wasn't her strong suit. But like I said, Guy Ritchie, this is his wheelhouse. You know, this is what he's comfortable doing. And he does a decent job of doing it most of the time. You know, it, it it's... Even though they both are like outlandish amount of action, he could just tell the story better. And also, I think he had more interesting characters. And it felt also that he was in control of his characters, which, again, that could be a problem with the writer. Or it could also be the problem when you're dealing with uh, characters that belong to another company. Uh, you know, who knows? Her name is Christina Hudson. Thank you. Hudson. Uh, Hudson. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. But uh, so, like, you know, she also could have had her hands tied, just like Joss Whedon, his hands tied when he was trying to do stuff. And the studio is like, no, no, these are our characters. We want this to be happening. You know, maybe she ran into that. I don't know. I mean, this is written and directed fully and only by Guy Ritchie. These are his characters, you know. Right. He, it's, there's no one to go like, no, you can't do that. He'd just be like, you know, fuck off. <laughs> you, you, you black cunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they were black. They Unless were their black, heart yeah. was black. That was... <laughs> One of the funnier scenes, he's like, you going to let him call me a black cunt? He's like, well, you are a black cunt. It's like, what? It's like, you're black and you're a cunt. Those are two well, he's like, He's like, isn't, isn't that racist? And he's like, no, no you're black. black. And you're a cunt. <laughs> you're a cunt. And you're acting like and a cunt. He goes, he goes, I didn't say that all black people were cunts. <laughs> I love that. That was so great. It was, it was short enough, too. If it had gone on any longer, it wouldn't, I would have found it a problem because the scene wasn't obviously necessary. Because like I said, the toddler characters weren't that important i mean they, they played their role but they weren't well right. fleshed out they were all one character just multiplied by what six or eight however many there are you know and, and what's funny if it would have went longer it would have been a tarantino um sketch oh honestly. lord yeah <laughs> and i mean i love tarantino but again he has his own style can i just say how much i love uh colin furrow in this movie oh my god the coach yeah he is just phenomenal because he yeah. He normally like when you would think of him in one of these movies, he would be like the gangster type, you know, mm -hmm. but he's actually a straight laced guy trying to do right by his boys who's dragged into this sort of gangster situation, but tries to always maintain the fact that he's only doing this to, to right or wrong that was done to Michael. You know? Right. Well, he's well, he's just trying to save them. It's not he doesn't even care about the wrong being righted. It's just he's like, I'll do whatever it is to protect my boys. You know, he's yeah. like the, he's he's basically the blue collar father. Yeah. You know, and and he does he does a really good job of being that character. And and the, like I said, it was written well. Yeah. It was, it was just hilarious how like when uh. Well, when you first but, meet him, he's basically yeah. like, you know, like, like, you know, once you, you stand back, it's, it's, I think you've muddled your, your mouthwash with cat piss. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, damn. It's like, what stinks like cat piss? Actually, it was hilarious. And, and just a simple fact that when he, like, he doesn't beat the crap out of them, but he, he gives them, he essentially spanks their bottoms. And he's like, look, look at the lot of you. you. You guys, that's just no form. Come, come by the gym and I'll actually teach you how it's done. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is he's not there. He's not some vigilante. He's not 
a badass per se. He's a guy, like I said, he's like a he's like a blue collar dad. He's just he's trying to keep these boys off the street and focused on something. You know, right. and it was and his boys decided to do crime. It wasn't like he's teaching them to be criminals. You know, yeah, right. You know, so I, I like that too because at first I thought that was the kind of character he was going to play, but I'm glad that he didn't use him that way. Uh, my favorite character, I think, out of all of it though, uh, was Raymond. Raymond, yeah. Charlie yes. Hunnam, just he. I, I mean, Matthew McConaughey's always, well, not certain he's always, he was great, and he's generally really great. Um, I would have to say Charlie gave him a run for his money, you know, because, I mean, Matthew, on any scene he was on, he he, he was captivating in, on screen, but Raymond was, too, in a very different way that they both acted their characters, you know? Mm-hmm. You know think think about this real quick, though. There was more of Charlie Human in the movie than there was of Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely, it's... It's about Matthew McConaughey's characters, about Mickey Pearson, but it, it's really revolving around, you know, the people that are protecting his empire, let's say, yeah. or protecting his interests, you know. But he, right. uh, Raymond was just a, a great character, especially so because he's just, you can almost say that he's like a little bit on the spectrum. Slightly, you would, he sort of gives off that kind of vibe slightly well, he's at least he's at least ocd i mean whether he's yeah. on the spectrum he's at least highly ocd and probably a bit of a germaphobe as well but he's definitely a, cre- a clean freak yeah you know? yeah so but like the, the he always maintains his cool and then that scene mm-hmm. when he's chasing down the kid for the cell phone and he's, he's trying to be reasonable he's like listen take the money you give me your phone and you go that's all you gotta do that's all you gotta do and the guy pulls out a fucking machete and he's like all right, you guys want to do it this way. He pulls out that machine gun and just fires up in the air. Mm-hmm. And well, then the, that, that scene was just hilarious. So he's moving closer to him, and then as, as he has him lower it down, and he goes, scat, 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 scat away, scat away. <laughs> yeah, the first time we ever saw him lose his cool was uh, when he's trying to get back uh, the Lord's daughter. Right. You know, that's the first time we ever saw him lose his cool is when uh, the Russian kid touches him, and he's just like, you know, he's like, I just don't. What? <laughs> Anybody touching me? You know, you know. Um, but yeah, that, I, I just thought there was so much depth to his character. Yeah. I mean, McConaughey's character had a touch of depth. I mean, most of the, his depth uh, ran around like the, the, the actual depth of, of Mickey was probably just really his relationship with his wife. The fact that you did see he cared about something. Yeah. Because um, yes. other than that, he was he was pretty much your typical boss and I'm I'm in control kind of thing and not faulting, I was, but that's what I he was. I was about to say I felt like McConaughey was paint by the numbers. He was great, yeah. but he was still paint by the numbers kind yeah. of a boss with the and I do totally agree yeah. with the exception of you know yeah, how much that's he cared what I'm saying. About yeah, that was that, yeah, that was about all he had, but uh, uh Charlie Raymond I mean, uh, Raymond, Raymond yeah, yeah. his his character was just all over the place and I just thought he was really, really good. I think he probably I'm trying to think, he probably had the most surprises, growths and changes out of pretty much most of them. Um like the coach, he was kind of forced into his position. Um, Fletcher, he was a weasel from beginning to end. Right. You know, um, well, sh- shout out to Hugh Grant. That he played oh, a really good weasel. <laughs> awesome, my God, he was awesome. It was like you're not dead. Fantastic, good for you. <laughs> and I think this is the second. At least I know I, that I'm aware of. It's the second Guy Ritchie movie he did. Oh, I was, knew there was another failure. I was, could not think of it, and it just hit me now. Um, his other failure was. And it just eluded me the name of Fuck. it. Fuck! Oh man! Oh, it's the one with um, it's it's the remake of a '60s TV show. It's the one with uh, Henry Cavill and Army Hammer. Oh, oh, um, oh fuck, um, um, the man, the from, man Uncle? from Uncle. Yes, the man from Uncle. That was another flop. 
and that was a horrible movie. And that was the one that you and I yelled about to each other there, Ralph. I remember that. I remember that one, yeah. (laughs) There was a poster Um, in in the scene when um, Fletcher was was pitching to the 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 movie to that's Guy Ritchie sitting there. Yeah. Right? No, I I don't know if that was Guy Ritchie or not. Wasn't it Guy Ritchie? I'm not sure. Because he didn't look like pictures I've seen of Guy Ritchie, but it could have just been the way he was. I'm not sure if that was him. But I did see it up on the wall for Miramax, and I'm like, yeah, you could have picked a better film. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't, it wasn't him. Yeah, okay. I didn't think um, it was. Let me ask you this question because it's funny because Steve Francis keeps talking about how he's seen this movie six times. He wants to see it again. And I, and I love when people love movies like that because I get like that. Like I can watch a movie over and over if I really like it because – and I know Mike talked about it off podcast how Mike's like, if I watch it once and I enjoy it, I, it's fine. I don't have to watch it again. Yeah. I'm kind of on the other end where – I like indulging in how good things are because then you can start dissecting it and, and, and learning little nuances about it. But let me ask you this. As much as we like the movie, was there a part of the movie that you felt like, oh, come on? My, my, the, the one part, I mean, again, like the movie's not flawless, but it's, it still works and I still enjoy it. The only part that was out of place because it truly serves no purpose. Like I kept trying to rethink. I'm like, okay, if this did not happen... What? How would the movie have been affected if just some other random thing slowed down things, mm-hmm. and there was no there was no growth to it? For me, it was uh, towards the end uh, when Mickey and Raymond are rushing to get to Rosalind, uh, Mickey's wife. Yeah, and they have the car accident. It literally served no purpose besides the special effects car accident because he could have been slowed down in track. He could have been slowed down in any interesting and more comical, fitting in the movie way. This was just like. It was no reason because it's Matthew. It didn't slow him down enough. We didn't see his his uh, uh, his his problem getting to her in, in the nick of time, and and also it served no other purpose because Raymond showed up with no problem and he was just fine. So like it was like, well, what was the purpose of this car accident? You could have just had them stuck in traffic. You know? I, yeah, but I think it was also to raise attention and raise the stakes. You know, like. and, and yeah, but that's what it felt like. That's what I'm saying. Like it served because, like I said, imagine a different scene. Like imagine them. Like, it's London. It's just like New York City. Literally. It is jammed with cars. Imagine them, especially McConaughey, you know, you got Mickey in a, in a, a, a snit because he's got to get to his wife. He, he knows she's in danger. Looking out the window, get out the fucking way, you cunt. Imagine arguments going back and forth in the cars. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, just imagine that scene of him being slowed down and eventually making it through versus our Hollywood car flip scene out of, for no reason. At least for me, I just felt that, that was a waste of the scene. I'll disagree with you, and I'll say, um, though I, I agree with your, what you're saying, well, if you pull the, um, out of the movie, the movie would have ran well, or it would have still you know, did what it had to do. I think it's about building the tension of getting there, and, and you, know, you don't have to show them like they're, they're struggling to get there. Once you see the, you know, that accident with the train in the moment, you're like, oh, shit, what the fuck are they going to do now? It, it eventually doesn't slow them down. You're like, well, then what the fuck happened? But at that moment, it gives you that moment of, oh, shit, what's going to happen? So I, I, I see why I did it. I, I actually, you know, if it would have been traffic, it would have been less. I mean, it would have been tense, but a different kind of tense. And, and not a Guy Ritchie kind of a tense, you know, like what he what he goes for. So I, I can see why he made that choice, even though you're right. You know, if you get into a car accident and... You you come back running okay and every, and you're still somewhere and that's on the thing time. like there was no after effects to it. it was literally just to like you said provide tension I just think it could have just been written better and with a different t- 
tension. I just think that it just felt lazy to me as to like, because okay. it's like the moment he stopped the car and it was a defocused car in the background. I'm like, well, they're going to get hit. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, what about you? Was there a moment during this movie where you were like, come on, really? Um, I don't think it doesn't so. have to be. Because I know that sometimes when you watch movies like this, there are one or two scenes you're like, come the fuck on. Really? That happened? I'm wondering if there was that for you. No, like I I there was no scene in the in the whole movie where I felt like it shouldn't have been there or, or like it was felt lazy or for some reason anything negative and whatsoever. Oh, and by the way, okay. it, it was uh Guy Ritchie playing the executive. Was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh wow, I, I knew I was right. What are you guys trying to confuse me? Oh, please don't don't, don't go by yourself. me. Because, don't go by me because I confuse Guy Ritchie with Guy Pierce all the time. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. Guy Ritchie yeah. actually looks a little bit like Charlie Hume. <laughs> wow, I'm not sure about that, but okay. Do you but, do you also confuse Samuel Jackson with with Sam Worthington? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. Um, so I'll say this because I know Mike is is a and I don't say a master, but he's always talking about he'll watch a movie and sometimes he'll figure out the ending of it by maybe like the first 15 minutes mike and ralph did you know that did you know that hugh grant's character fletcher was gonna get his oh yeah yeah oh yeah definitely god richie was not gonna let him get away with that (laughs) (laughs) especially just just so when uh when he gets away from raymond uh at the at the end uh i thought to myself yeah, there's no way that Raymond's gonna let him go. No, no way. Well, there is no way. I mean, it's not. This is. There was no like. Oh well, I didn't write anything down. I didn't even show you I had anything. I didn't show you pictures. I just told you I knew all this information. And now at the end of the film, you know, you've scared me. I'm going to keep quiet. It's like no, he's got a ton of information that he can use at any point yeah. <laughs> to bring him down because it's got murder involved. <laughs> you know, even like, though he lost all his evidence because because uh, Raymond got all the evidence away from him, right. he he still has uh, all the stuff in his head. Right, yeah. but yeah, but you also you know have to say to yourself, is that every spy you didn't keep a you know? I mean, probably so, um, but yes, it's like nah, we're, we're just right. gonna get rid of you. Plus, he's still hawking the damn manuscript. Yeah. He got him. He got him at Miramax. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was. It was. It, there was a lot of things about the movie that I really liked, and I didn't think I would like it that much. I didn't think I'd like it that much, but I was like, okay, you know, I'm not doing a geek film. I really enjoyed it, even yeah. down to the toddlers' names. <laughs> that, what was I, it? I, I guess e- eggs Ben or uh, eggs Benedict or um, yeah, the ben, chin? They call him Benny. <laughs> the ghost because yeah. you won't see me coming. I'm like, oh my yeah, god! Yeah, like ah, oh, here we go. <laughs> Listen, that, I would say those rhymes were on point, though, man. He, I could I could barely understand. I could barely flowing, understand. Man. It was hard. That was one of those moments. I was like, okay, just follow the rhythm. <laughs> you you got to listen to more British rappers, man. They they got their flow. I love the the uh, nothing to do with the Rafi, the extra creepiness from uh, the Hugh Grant character <laughs> when he's trying to be funny with Raymond and Raymond's like, get the fuck out of my house. I'm going to bed. He's like, you want me to join you? He's like, no, no. get out. And he's like, well, maybe I will go up there anyhow. You know, I'll be up there in the dark, wanking off in a handkerchief. And you're like, <laughs> and there's just a silence. And it's yeah. like, 
Jesus Christ, dude. What the fuck kind of a human being are you? <laughs> like, He's trying to push Raymond's buttons. That's what it was. But that was like, what? But like, even if it was like that silence, which I loved in the movie, was like, that's not pushing my buttons anymore. That just sounds like a fantasy of yours. You need to get the fuck out of my house right now. Because <laughs> like, yeah. it was like that pause, that, like, that look and the pause on Hugh Grant's face was like, oh, you've thought of this. <laughs> yeah. This wasn't spur of the moment, you know. <laughs> oh god. His character was his character really was excellent. It really And really and was. and I agree all the characters are very um fleshed out and unique and you know they But I'll say this, all of I mean when I watch Guy Ritchie movies I feel like the characters are like that. Like just they're Well they're, they're but if you watch Guy Ritchie movies, they're all the same character in different Guy Ritchie right. movies, you know. All right. But it's I, still fun. It's still fun. Still fun. I, yeah. I do want to say that when uh, when I first saw the movie, um, I uh, the the way the that Raymond was portrayed, mm-hmm. I thought at the very beginning I thought oh because you know sometimes with Guy Ritchie's films you have like that that one guy who betrays the boss right yeah so I thought like Raymond was gonna be ambitious and gonna be like the one who's gonna like take over and he's like the mastermind yeah. you know oh there was a, there was definitely a bit of that like when um. When when Hugh Grant kept alluding to like you know, but do you know who dry or or, or who really sent them yeah. to find the stash? And it's like, oh, okay, maybe Raymond. You know, he maybe he's saying, I know it's you. <laughs> you know, yeah. So. Because you notice whenever he said that too. I mean, granted, he would be interested in knowing, but like he got kind of interested. Like, all right, where are we going with this? <laughs> right. Know, like, so I thought that that was a good like little oh, okay, okay, all right, maybe maybe you know. And I'm glad again it didn't go that way because. You get that too often in most movies and whatnot, let alone in a um, a Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah. All right. I was just glad that they didn't go that route. Yeah, exactly. Are we um, Are we okay? Anything we want to say before we go to renaming the film and ratings? If you haven't seen this movie yet, even though we've said a lot of stuff and spoiled it, you should definitely go see this movie. I'm going well, to go watch it, it again. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, the thing with this movie is that you could spoil it by obviously you know going through what happened. Um, it's not a big surprise movie per se. It's really the ride you're going on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. like I said, like there is no who done it. I mean, I mean there is to a point, like as far as who was the one that alerted the toddlers to where the space was, and that adds to the drama of the movie. Sure, but it's not its biggest selling feature. It's not like it's revealed by you know a cool power at the end of the movie, like ah you did it. You know, like it's. You know, it's it's just something that adds to the movie. So, like, even with even if you have the knowledge of who sent them or whatever like that, that's not the point. The point is the ride that you're going through to get there. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's do it. Renaming the film. Do I even want Ralph to go first? <laughs> no, or do I want to go first? Let Mike go first. Anyway. That way he doesn't feel jealous. Okay. Mike, you go first. Rename the film. Mike always got the best ones. That's why I leave it for last yeah, with the renaming. It's just, it's just nice and simple. White Widow Super Cheese, the movie. and and by the way he did not come up with that name there's actually many different strains well those are two strains of of marijuana one's the white widow and the other is super cheese but there's also uh white widow cheese interestingly enough as well yeah nonetheless yeah no i just meant of those that 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 name is the weirdest of all of them that he came up with (laughs) white widow super cheese i was gonna say well mine's a little bit longer it's um, what my renaming of the movie is Hey Cunt, Double Cross, Violence, Double Cross, Double Cross, Ha Ha! Credits. <laughs> it's a little longer. This is what it felt like. It won't fit on the marquee. Nah, it won't fit on the marquee. <laughs> Ralph. 
an amazing story with a uh, with a side of fight porn. Ooh. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> we we both went first, and that's all you came up with. Mm-hmm. What? I never said it was going to be good. I just said let him go first, so that way he's not jealous. Oh boy! All right, here we go. It's true. He never said it was going to be good, and we never expected it. Exactly. <laughs> if, all listen, right. All if right. You raise your expectations with me. That's your own fault. <laughs> okay. Ratings for the gentleman and Ralph, being that you, you know, were warmed up already. Go first. Your ratings for um the gentleman. I give this movie double bubble. Ten out of ten. Ooh. Whoa, six claws. Damn. Yeah, that's man. a while. Ooh. It was just from start to finish an amazing ride, you know? Okay. All right. I'm gonna give it Nine bloody noses being taped with a bunch of snot-nosed punks out of ten. Wow. <laughs> and I'm going to give Steve Francis your address and an Uber so that way he can get there quick. <laughs> he's he's going to... I'm surprised he's not storming my door now. I'm sorry, Steve. I had to. My the God. English don't storm. <laughs> that would ruin their, their scones. Uh, <laughs> I give this an eight and a half. You couldn't lift a wheel of cheese, you cunt, out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> they were just cracking me up in that room. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Bunny, how much you lift? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there you have it. The gentleman, a punch in the nose of a good time. But guys, don't go anywhere. Geeks on the Go is next. Geeks on the Go. Now, one more cuts. <laughs> of course, that's the one I hear clearly. <laughs> it's just okay. it's it's just the way the word is. It's meant to be heard. So no matter where you say it and what other noises will be around, you will hear that word. Blah 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 blah. Cunt. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It was designed to be heard. All right, cunts. You guys know the you guys know the segment. I give quick questions. They give quick answers on all things geek, and we only made it under a minute once. I think we could do it, but Ralph's gonna sabotage me because Mike stopped sabotaging me. Ralph goes out of. I his never way. tried to sabotage you. Mike, you ask a question. Mike, listen. listen. I had no. I had no. I'm gonna go. To, I'm gonna go back through the annals and I'm gonna look at all the times I'm like, when did Mike give an on purposely long, long answer? And I'm gonna start circling them. Fuck that. I gotta. T- I have Joe to do that. <laughs> the, the intern. The intern. What's he got going on? <laughs> well, he's got nothing. He's staying home, so maybe he can help us out. Tell him to be I'm cleaning s- down Comic Con. Oh, <laughs> I'm still waiting for my tea. He has a brown tea. I'm still waiting for a lot. <laughs> Ready, set, go. Which is the cooler hero, Deathlock or Captain Britain? Ralph, Captain Britain. That's like not a question. Wow. Okay, Mike. Captain Britain, bitch. He's got the amulet of right and the sword of might. That's right. For the I, ladies. I keep forgetting about the sword too. Yeah. All right, name one thing Guy Ritchie would do different if he was the director of John Wick. Mike. Shoot, he can't reason if he tried to do a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ralph. I have to agree with Mike. <laughs> okay. Charlie Hunnam has the star power to be pretty much any superhero for Marvel or DC. Who would you cast him as in regards to superhero or supervillain? Ralph. Uh, the question, because I think that would really bring out his acting abilities. Oh, my God. But it would hide his face. Mike. Uh, for DC, Aquaman, and for Marvel, U.S. Agent. Oh, wow. Ooh, I like yeah. U.S. Agent. He's right. really good as U.S. Agent. Last one. Who is on your Mount Rushmore of comic villains? Mike. 
Doctor Doom, Red Skull, uh, Hunter Rose, uh, Grendel, uh, and Kid uh, Miracle Man. You asked me a question has four parts to it, so there you go. <laughs> oh no, no, I wasn't throwing my hand up because of you. you Look at you. you know. I wasn't throwing my hand up because of yeah. you. Say so that again, again. You said Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom, Red Skull, Hunter Rose, who was the original Grendel, and Kid Miracle Man. Um, which, if you've ever read Miracle Man by Alan Moore, you know how freaking vicious that he's just murderously insane. You know, it's funny when I think about the boys and I think about the way they, they made um, Homelander, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I think about like Kid Miracle Man. Yeah, nah, except Very much he so. still would be way nicer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ralph? Um, I would have to go with uh, Lex Luthor, the Joker, um, is it Darkseid? And I just had it in my head. Who was the last person? Alex Trebek? Leave Alex Trebek alone. He's got cancer. He's doing really well. Up on the Mount Rushmore villains? Yes, that guy is freaking evil with all his goddamn answers and no questions. Who just has answers? And it's a condescending tone. No, I'm sorry. It's a form of a question. Have you not seen the show? (laughs) Oh, Brainiac. Sorry. Brainiac was the last one. Brainiac. Okay. Ah, There you go. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. All right. Any shout outs, gentlemen? Uh, oh, I'm, I'm shout out free for the most part, except for the usual, man. Yeah. Stay indoors. That's my shout out to all of you people, unless you have to go out, and I understand, but otherwise, stay indoors. I right. would like to shout out Jazz. Happy birthday. If you're happy birthday, Jazz. Yeah, I already wish yeah. him happy birthday, but once again, happy birthday, Jazzy. Yeah, man. Married life hasn't destroyed you yet. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> he, has, he hasn't approached the suffering stage yet. <laughs> it's the engagement ring that's the wedding ring and the suffering absolutely yeah. <laughs> oh man um trying to think shout outs i mean like i said always always to the people working hard to our medical professionals to our essential workers everybody people who are sick people who are suffering people who are sad right now please you know we're gonna get through this and i keep saying it over and over and i don't want to be redundant or a broken record but i think sometimes people need to realize that if we are alive and we are pushing through, that's a good sign. And if we don't have anybody that's sick around us, that's even a better sign. So we just got to wait to see when the light at the end of the tunnel is, which I think is going to be sooner than what we think, but was going to be different. Yeah, definitely. It's going to yeah. be different for a while. I mean, they, they've said it, but it is coming. Have faith in that. It's not, you know, it's not just uh, rose-colored glasses and all this wishful thinking. It will happen. Yes. Yeah. Just, just don't rush it. And yeah. Don't press it. Well, I'll say this, and I don't want to get too political. All I got to say is this, Governor Cuomo for president. I said it. <laughs> He's a dick, but the way, but, but the, more, the more I see him on, on press conferences and the way he handles questions and the way he handles certain conversations about certain subjects, I'm like, well, he speaks in a very earnest, honest kind of you know, tone yeah. where it's, he's not giving you fluff. He's not dodging a question. He's you know speaking straight up, but he's not being a dick like saying, "Well, fuck what Trump said." He'll say, "Well, you know, Trump says this, but there's something called the Constitution that says this." So, right. not for nothing, we gotta really abide by the rules that we have. And I just so well, call for president. He would be more the one of the candidates who would be most likely to actually uh, stay alive during the presidency, seeing as how Trump is crazy old, and, and so is Joe Biden. <laughs> so. Well, there's there's always that. <laughs> I just want no Trump for presidency in the 2020 election. Yes, How's no that? Trump 2020. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll well, that's what that guy. That's what Bernie said. Bernie said it the other day. He goes, look, not for nothing. I know you guys are upset, but we can't have Trump as a president. So 
No. Well, he finally this time did get around to actually quickly backing the other person as opposed, as opposed to the, the last, last time. Yeah. Where he sucked face like a kid. And I'm like, look, I get it, dude. Everyone else lost too. <laughs> you know, yeah. you got to back it. <laughs> you know, so here we go. Anyhow, we go. enough of the politics. Enough of the politics, guys. Please be safe. Everybody be well. Um, so let me do my normal ending. So for MFG, Mike the Finance Guy, and R2 Square, Rob the Tech, this is a cap saying, keep it geeky. And Ralph, that's seven minutes. Book it. Book it.